0: Welcome to Coffee with Kojo. My name is Demetria Gilkey, and I am the graduate host for this podcast. School just started yesterday, and I am so excited to start the podcast off with an amazing woman who happens to be a new faculty member here at SDSU. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners from all over the country, welcome Dr. Shola Aramona. Yay! thank you so much yeah thank Thank you for agreeing to be our first guest for the beginning of the school year we are so excited to have you I'm excited to be here too thank you Awesome. So let's just jump right on in. Tell us about yourself. Where are you originally from and how did you end up at SDSU? So
1: I am originally from Lagos, Nigeria. I grew up in Lagos. I, you know, all my life spent in Lagos, except when I went to college in a city two hours away from Lagos. But still, I always went back to Lagos like almost every weekend. Now, but SDSU, it was just What I was looking for. So it was at a point when I, where I really wanted to, I was looking for a place where I could thrive while I could, while I was contributing my expertise in terms of my teaching, my research, my service. And I wanted a place where I could do all of that, all of those things and still thrive. And so I was at a point where I really wanted something else. I wanted a place that I could thrive um, while I was also doing my, doing my job
0: along those lines walk us through your educational journey did
1: most of my in high school undergraduate back in nigeria i worked for a bit before i then proceeded to graduate school in the united states so i moved to the united states for grad school and i got my master's from eastern Mississippi state university where i did work in professional communication is what the master's program was called at the time but i concentrated on strategy communication and while I was there, I didn't think I wanted to go do PhD at the time. But my faculty my professors who I don't know, who just thought, I mean, they must be crazy at the time, told me, Oh, maybe you should go just get a PhD now and get it out of the way. So I appreciate that they did that, but I don't know if I, because I don't know if I would have done that at the time that I, that I did. So I got my PhD from the University of Kansas in journalism and mass communications. And my focus in terms of my research was political communication, more specifically political information, evaluation and social media. So that's, that's my educational journey
0: let's jump in you kind of answered the next question did you always want to be a professor and you said you know you didn't really think about it but your colleagues or your former professors kind of nudged you on so why do you think that they did that was were you just an amazing student an amazing worker or what did they what do you think they saw in you
1: well, I probably need to go back to them and ask that question. But I really, I, I'd always wanted to be a teacher. I'd always wanted to teach and be a professor, actually. I wanted to to get a PhD, but I didn't think, because growing up, I didn't think, I thought the a PhD was something you get when you're like 50 or, you know, something like that. So I didn't think, you know, it was it was time that I could get it when I did. Not like I was too young to get it, but I was just, it just wasn't. On my radar, I didn't think that I could get it or I could go in for that PhD at the time that I did. But I'd always wanted to be a teacher. I started teaching when I was really, really young. Sounds like a cliche whenever I say, but I started teaching when I was about seven or eight. I mean, I'll teach imaginary students, write on the wall, write on anything, Mm -hmm. any surface at all. I mean, I would write on those things and, you know... I'll just repeat things that my teachers had said in school, you know, to imaginary students. And I remember my father's friend buying me my first chalkboard, like you know, like a like the equivalent of a whiteboard this day. I mean, in today's um today's um world. So he bought me that, and that was like the best gift ever as a child. Because I mean, it just meant that. I could write, you know, I have this, 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 this is my, this is my space. I could do whatever it is I wanted at the time. And um, I think it was, I think my parents and, and our neighbors, I think they liked that, even though they didn't say it in many words, but I, I think that they did like that because it meant that I wasn't writing on the walls anymore and I wasn't, I wasn't writing on every surface that I found, you know? So yeah. So
0: yeah, I wanted um, to be a teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's inspiring. I, You know, I read something once and it said a lot of times what you do as a child, things that you find interesting, sometimes they show up later in life and careers. For example, for me, I am also a licensed hairstylist. So ah, growing up, right. I always played with dolls. And I thought it just took me a second because you were talking about how you were so impressed and happy about that chalkboard. Well, my mom, I requested a mannequin head, which the the real mannequin heads are like fifty, hundred dollars So I got that for Christmas. And fast forward, I'm doing hair part time and inspiring and helping women physically. And you know, you're doing the same thing. You're, you know, following your dreams and living them and doing your passions, which is awesome. So that's inspiring. So let's jump in. Now that you are teaching and everything, what would you say is your teaching philosophy or style, or is it a combination of something?
1: I am big on active learning. I'm big on on student-centered learning, experiential learning. I'm big on facilitating. So I, I see myself more as a facilitator of learning. So if you're in my class, um, I expect definitely to pull your way to, you know, to do what you need to do in class um, to to do well. So I see myself as one person who is in class to mentor you, to model to you good practices, but particularly to facilitate your learning, you know, so I'm big on those things. And I think my teaching philosophy always sum my teaching philosophy up in about in three words, curiosity, critical thinking and collaborative or community collaboration or community, basically, you know, so thinking about I am I'm a very curious um, individual. So I I, you know, I bring that to my teaching as well, and my teaching style. I'm curious. I want to know what you're learning. I want to know. I want to know how I can give you skills, and uh, maybe not give you skills, but give you opportunities opportunities to to learn skills that will keep you asking questions. You know, and part of asking questions is one. I mean. Asking questions is one way of really sharpening your critical thinking, you know, going outside of the, thinking outside of the box, thinking what else is out there? What else can we learn? What else can we, how else can we look at things, you know? So I'm very big on critical thinking and, you know, having a very curious healthy curiosity um to wanting to learn new things. So I bring that into my classroom in the in the kind of assignment that I, you know, that I give out to students, which you probably would find, you know, sometime, I mean in two months time, I believe, you know, you would see how that would play out. I want to see, you know, you're learning all this all this concept. How can you apply them? How can you make your mind really curious? to really use what you're learning. I'm also big on community collaboration. You know, I believe strongly that each person needs another person. We all are connected. Um, I believe in the, in the interconnectedness of, of human beings, you know. um, I believe that there is no one person who can say I made it myself or that I can make it myself. And so... I bring that into the classroom as well, because in the world, in the, in the workplace, you're going to have to rely on other people. So, um, I ensure that we are sort of you know, modeling what is out there in the workplace, in the classroom as well. So how are you able to work with other people in the classroom, for instance, you know? How are you able to communicate um, your differences? Because you'll have those, you know, in the classroom. How Are you able to uh, interact, engage with other people respectfully, you know? How are you able to just bring all of these things together in the classroom? So these three concepts are really important to me as an individual but also as a teacher and I bring these three things into the classroom. So that I would say I mean those things I would say really drive my teaching style, you know? So in the class my classroom we are doing things. We're always doing things. We're always finding answers to questions. We're always um thinking, you know? We're always trying to be as creative as possible. But not mm-hmm. working in silos, working together with one another, you know, because that's that's how the world is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate, but that's that's how the world is is structured, working depending on one another to um, achieve common goals.
0: So you believe in group projects then?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, I do believe in group projects. <laughs> I mean, I know that students, students, some students really do have a hard time working in groups. I did, has I I mean, I'm very, I'm just being honest. I did has um as uh, as a student, well, not all through my my studentship, I must say, but a part of my student, you know, um career, I I also I also have you know that um hesitation to work in groups, but with time, I realized that you're not gonna work by yourself. Whether you own a business, you, I mean, you own a business, you, you're not working by yourself. You need people. You're asking somebody to do something for you. You know, you might be the one sending all the emails. You might be the one talking to your clients, you know, or whatever, you, you? But still, you need somebody to do something for you that you cannot possibly do by yourself, you know? So I do believe in group projects. I do believe, however, that each person is responsible for their growth, for their education. We all need to contribute to help ourselves learn to grow. However, each person needs to advocate for himself or herself and be sure that they are learning and they're gaining whatever it is they need to to gain. So if you're in a group and uh, it's a responsibility, we expect that if you're you're a member of a group that you are pulling your weight, you're doing what you need to do in the group to help the other people in the group to learn, mm-hmm. you know, to sort of help their their education, their education in that sense. But I also believe strongly that you are responsible for what you take out of the group. So mm-hmm. if you don't add on, if you don't participate, if you don't engage, it's just unfortunate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing outside in, in the workplace, you know. If you're working on a team project in a company, it's your responsibility to, you know, to add your quarter to that project. So it's, you know, so it, um it succeeds, but whatever you get out of that project, mm-hmm. it's your responsibility. So if you're going to be a laggard and you're not going to do what you need to do, fine, the project can suffer, but you also would suffer at the end of the day too, because you're not gaining anything out of that, out of that yeah. um process. So, so yeah, I do believe in pro- good projects, but I also believe that each individual
0: have a role to play initially sometimes when I see group projects like on syllabus I'm like oh no, because I just have had experiences where people just their communication is poor and then I'm one of those probably overachiever students where I'm like let's get this started and I'm like where is everybody you know but I do understand that you know like you said, we need community, we need each other. And if if you're working in a team environment, you're going to have to put your differences aside and learn how to work together. And so that's the whole, you know, point of a group project too, is to work together, learn together, but at the same time, making sure you hold yourself accountable and and all of that. So that's that, that's really good. What classes are you teaching right now or going to be teaching that you're excited about? Or just tell us what you're teaching.
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching um, public relations. I'm teaching a class on platforms. Um, I'll be teaching the social media management class. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm teaching, then I'll be teaching the spring. I'll be teaching the introduction to mass communication class. I am super excited about that one. And also data analysis and communication so those are the classes I'll be teaching this academic year. In terms of am I excited about them? I really am excited about them. Um, I'm looking forward to, I'm always excited about new classes or the start of a school year, you know, things like that. Because if I enjoy teaching, I enjoy learning. So, and teaching is a way for me to also learn, learn what students are bringing to the table, what students know, you know, and helping to, um, you know, just guide, you know, guide students you know, into, into learning and, and getting, you know, having good experiences, good college experiences. So I'm excited about those classes.
0: You're going to be teaching social media. You're teaching some PR right now in the spring. You're going to be teaching some data. You're going to be teaching an introductory course and how excited you are. So of those four that you just mentioned, now I understand that some of them are in the future you haven't even started teaching those yet. Are there any of those that you're like, oh, I, I really can't wait for that one or every student should take this class and here's why? I don't know. I don't know that I have <laughs> that, that I feel that
1: way about any of the classes. And that's being very truthful. I think that I, I just I, I'm just excited about all the classes. I, I feel like each class has something unique. And because of that, it just I mean, the excitement is just the same for me. It's not like one, um, I'm excited about one more than the other. I do like to teach undergraduate classes, introductory classes though. And the reason is because undergraduate classes are fun. Yeah, they, they are fun. They are fun classes. You know, you have the students who are like, it's the start of, of a new life for them, you know. And so they're mm-hmm. getting introduced to some of these topics in in, um, in a particular subject area. And it's so fascinating to see how their thoughts. In terms of maybe, do I like graduate classes or undergraduate classes? I kind of like both, but I do, do love the opportunity to meet with undergraduate who are just starting off and just seeing their excitement and to see how their um, their thoughts get refined, their thoughts about the subject area now gets refined as the semester goes by. That's really um, an exciting opportunity for me.
0: Are there any books that you recommend for your students to read? And and when I ask this, not necessarily books for your classes, like maybe even books for just life or something you enjoy for fun or something every young person should have on their shelf, any that you recommend?
1: I'm always torn between should I recommend fiction, nonfiction, because I'm very big on fiction, especially crime um, and legal trailers. That's my that's 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 where I roll, you know. Um, in terms of books to recommend, nonfiction or fiction, I'll tell anybody to um, go read any book by John Grisham. Like he is Ooh. the best guy ever. <laughs> So I I I mean absolutely absolutely recommend him um I know his his um his um work can be pretty tough to read you know In t- not not the language but like the the issues that he writes about pretty tough t- topics mm-hmm. too to, when you think about them but mm-hmm. I think that those stories even though they I mean a lot of them are fiction I think that those stories really uh can really help a person to have maybe a you know a greater appreciation for life, greater appreciation for for maybe whatever it is that you that you have, you know, and also mm-hmm. a greater appreciation for where we're at as as um as a society, you know. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I do recommend John Grisham books. I would recommend The Alchemist. Um, mm. Follow. I think that's a great, great book. I think it's a book that people need to read just for, especially young people, you know, just for the sheer brilliance. I mean, not just for the sheer brilliance of the writing, but also for the the core, the plot, you know, of the book, you know, it, it's a book about... Chasing your dream, you know, staying true to yourself, you know, looking forward to not being swayed because many things will happen, you know, in life, you know, there'll be distractions in life, but just staying true to what you want and and going after what you want. I think it's important that, especially in today's, um, in today's world where you know distractions are like 10 a penny, you know, so mm-hmm. 100 a penny. So you really want to stay true to what you believe and just, you know, be focused, the timing and go after your dreams. This podcast is the property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music. Music.